Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast Empowering Female Leaders for Women Who Want to Thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights, and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. I am very pleased to welcome today Gemma McFall. She is a pain specialist and aims to end chronic pain in the workplace. She helps individuals reclaim their lives by addressing pain without medication or surgery. Gemma's personal journey with lower back pain during her corporate career fuels her passion for this field. She finds inspiration in connecting with clients and making a difference in their lives. By embracing the latest advancements in pain science, she guides individuals towards transformative journeys of pain relief and improved well-being, fostering healing and resilience. Gemma, I'm very pleased to have you here. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so pain is one of these topics that we all know. I mean, we all had pain in our lives, physical pain. And I just heard what a coincidence in the radio this morning that lower back pain is the number one reason for sick leave across the globe. So it's a huge issue, obviously. I also had lower back pain and it's the place where my body seems to express stress as well, seems to, but I'm not really sure. So I'm really curious to hear more from you and to get an idea about, about what are some common preconceived notions that we all have or that many people have about pain and how can we see this differently? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, the way we see pain is it's something we want to get rid of. It's something we don't want. The minute we feel something, we traditionally reach for medication at home, whatever we have in the cupboard. And if that doesn't cut it, then we end up going to the doctors. And then from there, we get stronger medication, which leads to then, I don't know, in my case, it was physiotherapy and then it turned to osteopaths and you know, very quickly you're on kind of what I would call the Western medical model and you're going, I mean, ultimately you're heading towards surgery um, is the end uh, thing with the whole goal of just getting rid of the pain. So we see it as an enemy, actually, whereas pain is, I think, I'm not at all a specialist in this area, but I think it's a sign of the body that something's going wrong. No, it's one of these sometimes pretty valuable signs, I think, that we get from our body when we're not listening to ourselves and to our work-life balance, for example, or these kind of things. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, there's some things where we, we can easily link it to the emotional side. Uh, headaches, I guess, would be one of those things. Where just, oh, I've got a headache. I'm just really stressed. And they can make that direct correlation very easily. But still, the, we reach for the medication to turn off the pain, you know. But then there's other things like knee pain, back pain, um, pelvic pain, these types of things. And for some reason, we think that it's not that the body's given as a warning signal of anything. It's just there's pain. I'm broken. I need to fix it. What is a different way of looking at this, especially when it comes to these more I don't know how to call it, mechanical pains, maybe when it comes to articulations like knees or elbows or shoulders or the back, for example. How can we see this differently? What's a different approach? Well, the first thing I would say is I am not a doctor. So it is so important that you get checked out 
by a doctor if it's something that you think is serious, something life-threatening or an infection or acute injury. So like acute means you've just injured it maybe like in a sporting thing and and there's a very good chance it maybe needs uh, rest and bandaging up so that it heals. What the sort of pain I'm talking about is chronic pain, which is pain that's persisted for more than three months. So if the body heals itself, it's if if it can, it heals itself. So if pain is still persisting after three months, then it is definitely trying to tell us something. And so that's where we can then start kind of applying what I call the mind-body approach. And it's not, it's no longer about zooming in and looking at the pain point, let's say like the lower back. It's not about looking at the lower back. It's about zooming out and seeing the signals going between the brain and the lower back, because all pain is ultimately created in the brain. Mm-hmm. The way we learn to ride a bike, once we've got it, we never forget a neural pathway is established and pain acts in a similar kind of way. So once a pain pathway is established, it continues to be established and gets stronger and stronger over time. So our body is giving us pain oftentimes after the injury has healed itself. And this is where then this whole curses of running from doctor to doctor, from specialist to specialist, trying out all the different methods that we can imagine and, and getting just more frustrated because nothing really makes a change. What is a different approach then? Yeah, so... The reason that the pain is persisting is because the body is basically seeing what is a prediction error. So it thinks there is a threat. And so it sends a signal that says, this is dangerous. You must feel pain. And it sends a pain signal. But sometimes there's not a real danger there. The, the body can't tell the or brain can't tell the difference between an emotional threat and a physical threat. So it, Like you mentioned earlier, your back pain is worse when you're stressed. So let's say something's going on at work with your boss and there's a lot of pressure and and things. It's just really not going well. That's a threat. So you feel a threat. And so your body perceives stress and then sends the same pain signal to the area that you most expect to get it, in which case for you, it's back pain. For other people, it would be a different area where they think the the pain is going to be going to. How can we make that difference? I mean, you said before it's over three months. So when something's going on for a long time, there are certainly emotional reasons behind that. But when we just start having back pain, for example, typical thing, more or less out of the blue, because there was no injury, no acute pain reason, and we just get that. How do we know that it's mental or is there something physical going on? And another question, which is maybe too much of a question in one, but... <laughs> Is then when our brain creates that pain, is then there also something biologically really wrong in that place? You know, is there a true inflammation then there? Yes. Does it create a, a true biological reaction? Yes. Yes, it absolutely does. If you think of you, you see an attractive person and you blush, a physical reaction happens in your face. You get like red cheeks, your heart rate goes higher. So the The body gets physical response depending on the thing that you saw. You literally just saw something. And so, so yes, it does cause uh, actual muscle tightness. If a doctor or somebody like looked at the back, they'd say, yeah, definitely there's tightness in this back. But tightness does not cause pain. Is it possible to get 
rid of this pain because we see it as an enemy, like you say. So we have this attitude, I need to get rid of that somehow. By mental exercises only, or is the sheer attitude of wanting to get rid of counterproductive? Yeah, that's, that's, so, uh, that's so great you asked that. The harder we try to get rid of pain, the louder it will shout and the worse it will get. So the more we, what we resist, persist. So one of the exercises I do with clients is called somatic tracking, which is where we literally zoom in. And, and, and people listening to this can even try it. I think on YouTube, you might be able to find uh, videos of this. But for example, I'd have a client who's uh, got shoulder pain, let's say. And in a guided visualization, I'll get them to describe to me, what does it feel like? And they'll say something like, it feels like a tight elastic band that's going from the side of my neck all the way down to like halfway down my arm. And the more I get them to focus on it and describe it and relax. And we just joke about this shoulder, you know, like we just, we're just chatting about this thing. It's changing. What color is it? Oh, it's, it's, it's red now. Oh, now it's, now it's like green, you know, and, and it changes. And then all of a sudden they'd be like, now it's in my other shoulder. So semantic tracking helps us to relax the areas of the body. And when the pain then moves around, I mean, that's just evidence that it's what we call neuroplastic pain rather than structural pain. Thoughts like magic. It reminds me of some techniques which are on the mental side. Speaking about emotions, for example, speaking them out loud, giving them a name, describing how we really, really feel instead of how we should feel. It's a little bit like that, I think, that you describe actually the area in your body. And by this, you connect totally differently to that. That's interesting. Yeah. If you do this visualization, you have this connection. Is it then, you know, what do you need to think of it, actually? Do you need to imagine it healthy? Do you need to imagine the pain being your friend and saying, hey, that was really nice for you to show up, but for the moment, I don't need you anymore? I mean, it definitely will go on the side of friends, which is going to sound so hard for someone that's listening to this that's sitting there with chronic pain. I've been there and it is excruciating. And actually, when it's neuroplastic pain, that is because of this feedback loop. It is so much more painful oftentimes than acute pain because we're creating this pain to get attention, you know, to grab our own attention. So almost like the smarter we are, the more pain there is. It's, it's unbelievable. So I would say, yes, befriend the pain. Don't uh, try to chase it away. If you take medication, definitely it will get rid of the pain. There's a big difference between getting rid of the pain and healing the pain. You could get rid of the pain, but if the root cause has not been discovered, let's say, it's going to pop up somewhere else. The same the symptom will come back or another symptom somewhere in your body. So, yeah. Another tip I would give, actually, is next time you get some kind of pain, ask yourself, what is going on right now? What am I doing? What am I not doing? Who am I with? What am I scared about? What am I not saying? What am I not getting? And, and yeah, I think that then that's when we start making the patterns and we can start to see that the pain is coming up at strategic times, let's say. <laughs> do, you, do we need to understand first how this is related or to which um, incidents in our lives or situations this is related before we can actually try to, let's call it, resolve it in a certain way? Some people do and, and some people don't. And we have the, this thing called a book cure where once people understand the science behind pain, about the fact that 
pain is a learned neural pathway and the brain is seeing potential threat and there's not actually a real threat, if they can make themselves feel safe, then they straight away break the pain fear cycle. I've had clients that have had incredibly fast results. I've even had discovery calls with people. And after the discovery call, they've gone, you know what? I don't need coaching because the pain's gone. It's just ridiculous. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy for them, you know. But for other people, yes, it is to do with childhood stresses. Oftentimes, there's a direct correlation between people who had childhood trauma and chronic pain as an adult. And the reason for this is when they were younger, their nervous system kept on seeing scary things. And so the nervous system would go on to protect them. They'd put them in fight or flight. And then they were safe again and the nervous system would go calm again. And then again, something would happen. And it, the, the nervous system switch is effectively going on and off, on and off, on and off. And being on actually ends up feeling more normal to them than off. So it's possible that, you know, we grow into being adults with a, what we call a dysregulated nervous system. And our nervous system's reacting to, to everything as a potential threat. So, yeah, for some people that dealing with childhood stuff and definitely helps. And for some people, they need to address things that are going on right now. Like maybe they're in the wrong job, but you don't need to change the job to get rid of the pain. You just need to acknowledge what is it about that job that's making your nervous system on a subconscious level not feel safe and try to make yourself feel safe by reframing it like this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by changing the perspective, the ways how you're judging situations or yourself, for example. So it's a real mental. Exactly. That is really interesting because I tried mental healing techniques where you really focus on the area of the body and you imagine it healthy. I did that with my little toe. I broke it. The bone was really broken. I was thinking, well, I can just imagine it healed. Why not? I was Googling how the bones need to look like to imagine something that is really corresponding to the reality in my toe, but to the desired reality. And I thought about that three times a day, five, ten minutes, focusing in my little toe. It was so boring. But interesting enough, I, I asked in the hospital, yeah, how do I know when this is healed, actually? You know, because it's just a little tape around that. And they said, well, when it's not aching anymore, you can, I think that, that normally it's healed. And it didn't ache anymore after two weeks. And they told me it will take four to six weeks of healing, like any broken bone. Mm-hmm. And three weeks after I broke it, I went to the hospital to check. And they were looking at it. They were saying, oh, wow, it's healed. And I thought, you know what? This is really spooky. I'm healing my little toe. Oh, I'm yeah. accelerating the healing. I used to have pictures on my uh, desktop background of healthy spines. So every day I could see these healthy spines. Because we need to believe that we can heal. If we keep looking at MRI scans where we see there's damage in an MRI scan, we believe that there's damage and then we believe that's where the pain comes from. But actually, research shows that it's normal to have an abnormal MRI scan. So I would be shocked if I, if now I know what I know, if somebody showed me a perfect MRI scan for somebody of my age, that would be so weird, you know? So, and, and this is the opposite of what you're saying. People go and get an MRI scan and then they get into a pain fear cycle because they look at it and they panic, which causes more fear, which causes more pain. So, yeah. 
<laughs> you did you did great. <laughs> yeah, no, that worked really well. And I do it also when I feel that I'm getting a cold, actually, then I'm imagining my little army and I imagine really a big wave of little soldiers coming up and fighting in my throat against these in invaders or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if it mm. would because of that. Obviously can't prove it, but I had no cold for now, three or four years. But coming back to what you said before, I found that very insightful when you said that Actually, it is a place where we express when we are feeling unsafe, very stressed, anxiety. Then our brain chooses a place in our body where we feel that physically, like an alarm clock or something like that. Is this because we are not listening to ourselves anymore because we put so much pressure on ourselves and we forgot to listen? Yeah, you, you know, it's easier to feel physical pain than it is to feel emotional pain. Ah, is you it know. by avoiding emotional pain that we can then get the physical pain? Possibly. There's a lot of research that's kind of going in the two directions on this. I, For me personally, yes, I think it, there is something there. Um, it, I mean, if we were to use my example with the back pain, I had two little kids. We relocated countries. There was a lot going on. But it's not okay to say, this is really hard and I can't cope and the kids are driving me mad and I, and I miss home and I miss this. Like we, we don't want to say all these things because we're halfway through a relocation, but it's, but somehow going, oh, my back, I need to sit down. Somehow that's easier because you can then take medication, which then covers it up, which obviously now I know is not the right way, but yeah, there's definitely something about that. Yeah. hundred percent. I heard once about this upper limiting syndrome, which means we allow ourselves to excel to a certain level. And beyond that level, we don't allow ourselves to really shine bright, stand out. Some do, but many don't. We have our own glass ceiling somehow. And when we are just up to get through that and getting to this other zone, where we could really, really, really shine, but for some reasons we are wired in a way that we shouldn't shine. We have an injury, for example. We have a little accident. We stumble and we break our leg. These physical things are happening then, I heard, because then the body is the means for the brain to stop this evolution because the belief system is made in a way that we shouldn't go there. And it's really fascinating if we think about it that way, because you would never think, you would say, but, yeah, but I, stum I stumbled. I mean, I had a skiing accident or I had, I don't know what. What has this to do with that? But I think it is. Last year, there was the soccer the world championship of women. And the German team lost, I don't remember if it was a vice championship or just a level below. It doesn't matter really. But they had one player and she was really the strongest one of the whole team. And just in the warm up before that final game, she had a muscle problem and couldn't play. And then they lost. And she said afterwards in an interview, I knew that this is too good for us and we will not get there. And I thought, wow, that's a wow. example of this upper limiting theory. She didn't believe that they deserved this great victory. So she, her body was saying, no, stop, you don't participate. And with her being out of the game, the whole team was just much weaker. I found this really interesting because I think that's a typical example for that. Yeah. I, I've actually had clients in the past who have been, who after kind of figuring out the root cause of the pain, it quite simply was that they were punishing themselves. 
for something. They didn't think they deserved to be well. And then it was, for example, because their sibling was um, sick or somebody died. And by having this pain, it helps them to remember that person. And often the pain is in the same place that the person used to have pain that passed away. It's really, I mean, it sounds so crazy, but it's so science-backed as well. This is why I love this area because the science is solid. And then the other stuff is just like the icing on the cake. Yeah, exactly. So what would be a first tip of you, which you can share with the audience around where they can start with? Let's say we have chronic pain for a long time already. I've tried many things. Where do they start? So we need an evidence log. They need to start gathering evidence to show themselves that this is neuroplastic pain or something that can be addressed with the mind-body approach. So evidence that we need to be looking for, things like, does the pain move around? Is it different at different times of the day? Is it worse when I'm on holiday or is it better when I'm on holiday? And start noticing kind of evidence that is, if it was structural, it would be consistently painful all the time. It wouldn't come and go. It would you know, it would be fixed. So that's really, really great evidence. The other evidence to look for is things like think emotionally always. What's going on? What am I not saying? And what did somebody just say to me? What happened yesterday? What am I worried about tomorrow? What big things are going on? What small things are going on? And just just start being open to the idea of thinking emotionally and literally write them down in an evidence log. Instead of Googling the newest techniques of how to get rid of pain. Oh, Don't get me started on Dr. Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. But then when we find, uh, you find probably a mass of reasons or potential reasons that could be there. Is there any technique with maybe also body mind technique, how we can feel which of all of these reasons, the most predominant one and most likely the cause? It's not going to be necessarily one thing. It, and, and you know, if we don't find whatever it is, that's not a reason to not go down the mind-body approach either because it, it could just be that we just do not feel safe. So then it, then practical things to, to do um, from this stage would be breathing exercises, anything to make you feel, make your nervous system feel safe. Um, I do something called Yoga Nidra, which is on YouTube and um, which teaches your body to fully relax whilst you're still effectively awake so it teaches your body to go in and out of that fight like let's say you're in fight or flight it teaches you how to to regulate your nervous system without actually being asleep that's been phenomenal for me yeah and just reframing things that are going on so like my boss hates me like what is like five other things that could be going on here you know that might not be the only truth Like you say, reframing means allowing for different versions of the reality because there's not one truth. There is one situation, but you can look at it from uh, in numerous angles and every angle has its right to be there. So instead of saying, yeah, my boss hates me, maybe my boss is super stressed and has just absolutely no attention for me. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with me or can be many, many other reasons why you have a bad relationship with your boss, which is not even personal to you. But we take things personal very, very easily. And this is why we load everything on ourselves and on our back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Things, I think, on their shoulders or on their lower back. And that this is where then oh, finally it shows up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can only take so much before it starts showing up physically, I think is another way of looking at it. And, and I think this is why a lot of people struggled after COVID 
because they were probably on the brink of having all the emotional stuff we could handle. Then COVID happened and then that just tipped us over the edge and then it starts showing up physically. Yeah, it is very, very interesting. And I think the people in our audience got quite a completely different view on where pain is coming from and what they can do against it without, like you say, medication or surgery. Because there are so many things we can, which you can try out before you go down that way, which often doesn't lead to anything. And we know so many examples in our personal environment where people just had done this and they're still in the same place because that was not a reason for that. So Gemma, where can people learn more about you or get in touch with you? So on my website, which is my name, GemmaMcFall.com, you can contact me by that. And I also have on there a video. It's a free assessment. So you can figure out, is it possible to address your symptoms using the mind-body approach? And it's a short video. I basically talk through personality types that that could be contributing evidence to look for in your actual symptoms, childhood specific things to look for. And it's literally 10 minutes. And by the end of it, you'll, you'll sit there and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, definitely this could help. Or you know what? You'd be like, no, this is definitely something different. But either way, it's a really good start. Okay. Thank you very much, Gemma. I will try that out too. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. I'm excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.